0: People are always complimenting on my photos and they ask me, who is your photographer? And I tell them I don't have a photographer. I have access to the best photographers. That's the main reason why today's episode is brought to you by Verve Portraits. Let me share my experience with Verve. They genuinely want to know all about you. They are curious about your why, your purpose, to establish the right elements for a memorable experience. Verve really know how to capture your story and bring it to life that creates emotional connection. They carefully select the best photographers from around the world, and their mission is to create unforgettable experiences that will be celebrated for a lifetime. So I highly recommend that you check them out and prepare yourself for your own unforgettable experience. It's now time to head over to verveportraits.com.au forward slash Catherine, where you receive a discount as a special gift for our listeners. This week, we have another incredible woman for you, Lisa Stevenson, who is the author of Read Me First, a book filled with thought-provoking coaching questions, strategies for success and life's must-haves. Lisa draws on decades of experience as a global speaker, leadership consultant and success coach. She's also the founder of the Global Australian-Based consulting firm Who Am I Projects. Over the years, she has worked with some of the biggest global names, CEOs, elite athletes and entrepreneurs. In this book, Lisa will challenge and inspire you while holding you accountable for going after what you need and want. Lisa is incredibly passionate about her message. In her delivery of it, she is fearless. She challenges people to think harder about who they are what they want most in life, and what they are prepared to do to get it. Lisa asks if people can answer the question, who am I? As this self-awareness is the essential prerequisite to any efforts to create a better or different life and to achieve great success. She inspires people to seek clarity around what matters most, to prioritize time and energy, and to align life choices with what is most valued. Lisa speaks about the human way our experiences create the beliefs we hold, the way our emotions drive our responses and actions, and how we may mindlessly go through our day on default, doing what we've always done in response to the thinking we've habitually thought. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational woman. Enjoy. Well, we have another super special guest for you from Australia, actually not far from where I live, Lisa Stevenson. Welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Oh, hi, Catherine, and thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And for our listeners, Lisa's got this book, which is absolutely beautiful. It's called Read Me First, which we'll really unpack during the interview. But before we get started, Lisa, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So what's your unique story? How did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I think what's kind of interesting about my story is that, of course, we all have our own and we are unique. There is no single other being on the planet that has the same values, experiences, education, you know, that that we have, the same genetic makeup. We are so absolutely unique, but also there's so many things that connect us that we have as shared experiences. And I think my story is something that resonates with people because it's I'm not alone in it. So I am I am that woman who had a beautiful childhood and you know grew up by the beach and had parents who loved each other and uh, a brother that was you know healthy and annoying sometimes and you know a beautiful person to to have as my brother. And life was pretty um, uneventful and safe and really happy and I went off to and was blessed enough to be able to have an education. and very early on at the age of only seventeen met the man I was going to spend the rest of my life with and was married by the time I was twenty one. by the time I was twenty five, I was you know ready to start being a mum and was really fortunate that when I decided I was ready to have a baby, could have one and have a healthy one, and went on to have three beautiful children and one day, my husband that I spent my whole adult life with decided to not come home. And that sounds quite dramatic and it felt quite dramatic at the time. And I found myself in the position of very, very quickly having to work out how do I do single motherhood? How do I create a career that will allow me to be emotionally, spiritually, financially stable? and care for my children and having to work out what a what a different version of happiness and success would look like for me. And that's really the path that I've been on for the last nine years, Catherine.
0: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here going, I can't imagine what that would feel like not having your husband come home. I mean, did you get any form of notice or just, just didn't turn up?
1: No, I mean, it's it's an uncomfortable thing to say because, of course, we all like to think that we are emotionally aware and, you know, we know when things aren't right or, but I really didn't know that was going to be the outcome. It had never crossed my mind that I would end up being a single mum with full custody of my children and, you know, we hadn't ever broken up before. Uh, and, you know, for the, the beautiful listeners of your show, Catherine, I... Uh, people might be sitting there wondering, well, was he alive and what happened? And and he's he was absolutely alive and uh, he is he's is safe and well. And at that time, you know, obviously had some real mental health kind of concerns. Well, he did for himself, um, and also I did. And so there are a range of experiences that kind of go on for you in that time and it it does sound quite dramatic and you know i always struggle with that wanting to have perspective in the in these types of conversations because i think that most of us as grown-ups have those moments where our world crashes in and what I'm really fascinated in as a as a coach is who we are in that because it's really easy to be awesome when life is fantastic and everything's lined up beautifully. But who are we when life is hard?
0: Oh, I like that one. I mean, I could relate to your story. I had a very similar story and I was a single mum for 11 years, so I can actually wow. relate to that. But I didn't have three. I had one. Uh, But it does take a lot of courage to actually share your story. But it does, by sharing your story and having the courage to share your story helps others uh, I don't know, that there is light at the end of the tunnel because sometimes we do get stuck. I know for me, I was very lost and very stuck and, you know, blamed myself and looked at what did I not see and what did I not do and as we, I guess, some of us may fall into. Uh, and then it's pulling yourself out of that. That was That's when the real work starts is pulling yourself out of that rut.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's... There are men that have this experience as well and certainly I've had this conversation with lots of amazing women and it's – it's. I think the real gift, you know, for me is that we are so incredibly resilient. You know, we are – this is not the life that I had planned to live but when we make very conscious choices about who we're going to be and what are the experiences that we want to create for people that we care about and, you know, oh my gosh, how, how do we even work out what, what happiness is and you use the word we get in a rut. It's very overwhelming. You know, it's mm. overwhelming and all-consuming when you think you have life worked out and all of a sudden you don't.
0: So true. Absolutely. So there was a post that you had resilience over happiness, which I wrote d- that down because I'd like to unpack that a little bit. And I really like that actually. Mm. So talk us through that one. Oh, I love that you do your research, Catherine. Always. <laughs> I, I think I only really put that up
1: yesterday or the day before. Yeah. So I I have this, this thought and You know, I don't mean to be deliberately provocative, but it's a really interesting conversation because people have very strong views on this and I really believe that we spend too much time thinking about being happy. You know, there's so many books and and, um, TV shows and literature and advertising based on this ultimate goal of being happy. And I think there's actually a whole lot of skill and strategy and self-awareness and emotional awareness that goes with setting yourself up for that. You know, it's kind of, I think of happiness as being an outcome. You know, it's something that happens if I do the right work on myself and where I've got to, you know, particularly in my own story and with lots of people that I have coached and worked with all around the world is that when we build our resilience and when we deliberately look for ways to get uncomfortable so we can find out what we are really capable of, we learn how to bounce back quicker and we are we're more likely to respond in a meaningful way when life throws us a curveball. And we develop this skill to be able to give things a a meaning that serves us. So, what I mean by that is, you know, at the moment in this country, in Australia in particular, we have lots going on in our economy. We have a Royal Commission happening. There's, you know, lots of restructures happening in our big corporate organisations here. And, It's really fascinating that you could walk into a room of people and say, so the 10 of you are redundant. You no longer have a role. And they just had the same experience in the same moment and got given the same information. And someone in that group will say, this is devastating. And I feel like I've just lost everything. And someone else will say, okay, so I trust that I'll find my way through this or there will be an opportunity in this. So when we are resilient and we value being resilient and we have an awareness that every day we are in situations where we have an opportunity to learn, I think we become happier anyway. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how does one become resilient? What would be some tricks or or ways of moving toward resilience? Because not everyone is resilient, and I think that's one of those things. It could be learned. It depends on your situation so I think that from example uh, you may be resilient depending on the life experiences you've had and the things that you know those curveballs that have been thrown at you I think the more of those kind of scenarios probably makes you resilient but for those that are not resilient for our listeners what would be a way to become more resilient what would be some actions that they could take today to start working towards resilience
1: yeah, I love that question because of course we don't actually want trauma for people, do we? No. <laughs> we, we, there are there are times when we have to learn resilience because You know, something happens and we have an experience and we have to learn it. But the real challenge, I think, is is in your question is, well, how do I gain that muscle memory and being strong, healthy, resilient without having to have the trauma? And I think there's some really great ways that you can do that. So, for example, uh, deliberately find an opportunity at work where you would feel uncomfortable and know that you won't be able to smash it out of the park. Often we put our hands up for things that we know we can do well. But what if we put our hands up for things where we will probably make some mistakes? We won't necessarily know how to resource it. We might not have the right contacts or the right information or knowledge to be able to do it really well, but trust that we will get some learning and we will meet some new people or we will discover some things that will set us up for success in the future. And when we get that adrenaline rush or that sick sick feeling in our tummy or we walk into a meeting room for the first time and feel quite uncomfortable, resilience is that ability to say, this is great. I'm going to learn something today. So I think it's being prepared to be vulnerable, to not have to know the answers, to not be right and not to have to look good. That's when we learn how to be a more resilient
0: being. I love that. And I think that really resonates with me, Special, I talk about get comfortable with being uncomfortable find ways to stretch yourself because we we are, we're creatures of habit. We become quite complacent. And I think that sometimes we need to put ourselves out there to feel the fear and embrace the fear and walk through that bridge of fear to then find that actually wasn't that bad at all. Yeah. And sometimes we surprise ourselves.
1: You know, it it can be that we work out we're smarter or more generous or kinder or more emotionally strong than we knew. And if we don't put ourselves in that situation to feel a bit of that fear, we actually don't discover that. So I actually think we have a responsibility to deliberately stimulate some situations where we get to learn stuff. And that's what we, I think, if, if we look at who are the people in the world around us who are successful and happy, they are generally people who are resilient. They have tested themselves and they have failed at things and they've been in the bottom of the well
0: and had to learn how to get out. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to what you were saying. They, they put themselves out there and they were vulnerable. And it's interesting how many people, I guess they link the word vulnerable with weakness, when in actual fact, vulnerability is a sign of strength. Well, that's what I believe anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to agree with you. (laughs) And we're the ones talking, so we can say that. (laughs) Yes. I I absolutely agree. And when I am, you know, coaching uh, people who are in leadership roles or people who are parenting, there is something so powerful about people understanding that the greatest strength comes in vulnerability. It's also what I think makes up a lot of authenticity. Yes. You know, we know that people aren't perfect and we know that people make mistakes and we all feel that there's times when we're putting the masks on. And so when we are vulnerable and say, hey, I'm working this out or I'm actually not quite sure what to do here, there's something about that, I think, that allows people to trust us and understand that we are a whole person. You know, we set ourselves up for all kinds of trouble, I think, when we say we've got it worked out.
0: Absolutely. God, I wish I could say that. I'm always still finding myself. I actually just said that yesterday in a workshop that I haven't got my stuff together, right? So I'm always learning. I'm always growing and I'm making mistakes. But at least I look at my mistakes and, and actually say to myself, Catherine, what have you learned from this and what are you going to do differently next time? Because that's how we grow. You know, we, we're we not perfect.
1: Uh, I think that I just want to pick up on the point you just made, Catherine, about It's what did I, what did I learn and what will I do differently next time? Because Mm. I think that's the difference between people who get stuck uh, and really struggle and and find things to be hard Mm. and people who are capable of consciously creating what it is that they want next, you know, to make that shift on what will I do differently next time or what do I need to go back and be responsible for? You know, that's, that's essentially what emotional intelligence is.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So Lisa, for our listeners, what would be one piece of advice that you would like to give them for someone who wants to embark on a new life or a new career?
1: Yeah, oh that's such a good question. We could just talk about that for an hour. True. I think I think there's there's lots of things actually that need to be done and I want to make that point because I think sometimes people decide that they're going to do something new or different and they just they don't do the work that's required. What we know is that if there is a different chapter, a different career, something in your health or a relationship that you need to change, there is work to be done. There are no quick fixes. So the first thing is about getting a plan, which is not a sexy answer, you know, but you need a plan. You need to very consciously write out and identify what it is that you're going to do. What are the timeframes that you're setting for yourself? How are you going to be accountable to your plan? What kind of support do you need around you? How will you know if you're doing the right things? What How will you think about your plan in a way that allows you to adapt and evolve it? And also as part of that plan, having absolute clarity on what success is going to look like and feel like for you. How will you know when you've got there? So the planning part... You know, when I say that, sometimes people roll their eyes and go, that sounds kind of boring, <laughs> but it's it's really important to sit down and create the time and space and step out of being busy and, and ask yourself, you know, the questions that you don't even know the answers to and what are the things that you haven't thought about yet. So getting a plan is really important.
0: And it's, it does sound so easy, but you would be surprised that how many people don't have a life plan. Like they're yeah. really good at uh, creating a plan in business or work, but when it comes for themselves to build a life plan or even goals for themselves, it's it's just one of those things they don't do. And I, I always look at it this way. It's like jumping in the car and not knowing you guys, you're staying, yes. <laughs> ca- your car is parked in the car park and you're not moving anywhere. That's what life is if you don't have a plan. You're absolutely, stuck in your absolutely. car park. Absolutely.
1: I actually have a chapter in the book that's that is called You Are Your Most Important Project. And it's it's very aligned with what you're saying now, Catherine, that if you look at people who are responsible for a project in the workplace, you know, they gather the right people, they consult experts, they set timeframes, they monitor the project, they set outcomes and can be highly effective and successful at that. But when it comes to their own life, um, we're kind of, we can be just going along to get along really. So if I was my most important project, what are the things that I would have in place? Who are the people I would talk to? What would my plan look like? And how will I know if I'm going to deliver on that? So I, I love that. We uh, What would be different if we made ourselves important?
0: Mm, I love that. Make yourself a project. So you were talking about finding the right people and finding a tribe is one of those things that we, we do talk a lot about. Finding a tribe on the show, and uh, how do you find your tribe? How do you go about it? Yeah,
1: so i I think about the. I, I think there's a lot of conversations around finding a tribe that feel really warm and inclusive i take quite a strategic view to this my tribe uh, is is not about the friends that i have my friends and family and people that i love and i surround myself with you know to me that's a different thing that's my support network my tribe are the people who want me to do well They are people that I have specifically sought out, identified or picked up along the journey of me and I actually, for me, it's something that's quite formal. You know, I ask them, will you be in my tribe? Will you mentor me? Will you commit to telling me the truth? Will you give me in the moment feedback if you see me doing something really well or something that perhaps I'm not aware of and also it's about how I give back to those people as well. How do I invest in what it is that they're wanting to create with their life? So in my tribe, you know, I've got people who are good at things that I'm not. I've got people that I trust implicitly in terms of what it is that I want to do with my business. There are also people that I love to be around and people who hold me accountable to what it is that I've identified that I want to work on and be.
0: I love that. I've not had anyone respond in that manner when we talk about how do you find your tribe. They go straight into the whole marketing strategy and how you could find your tribe, where you've actually... Uh, made it so simple, like ask them, will you be my tribe, which I think absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're asking your tribe to be authentic and give you the feedback, which is really a different approach.
1: Yeah. And also, Catherine, I think something that applies to most people who, you know, how we can be quite high performing and successful, but still be unhappy, or we can be doing really well in our job, but not not be looking after our bodies in the way that we should be. And, you know, we don't necessarily line everything up at the same time. And and we can be so self-critical. You know, the stories and, and self-talk that we use can be really, you know, um, just harsh. And I, I find that a lot when I'm, you know, coaching people is that the first thing they'll do is walk into coaching and say, you know, oh, Lisa, here's the agenda of things that I haven't been doing well that I need to work on. And with my tribe, I very consciously ask them to tell me what I'm doing really well. Yes. Because when we work on things that we're not good at or not a natural strength, we just end up with these well-developed weaknesses. And so what we know is a critical part of success is knowing what you're really good at, what your strengths are. And so with my tribe, you know, it can be uncomfortable, but I will ask them to give me feedback on what they think I'm doing really, really well. And to be specific about that,
0: I love that because it's true. You know, we do tend to add default position. I think as as a uh, as a whole. So I'm not being uh, specific. It could be anyone as a whole. But if I'm chunking right up and I look at it, I think that we do tend to look at the things that we need to work on, our opportunities, and have that lens on. And once we have that lens on, aware of the things that I can be better at, we're actually we we actually have ignoring the things that we're really good at. And from a strength-based leadership point of view, if we focus on our strengths as well, um, and I'm talking about even – I tend to focus more on my strengths than my opportunities. That's just, Mm. and that's, and it's not easy for me to do that because I will naturally, my default position is like, but you're not doing this, Catherine. And you're not, oh, you didn't do that, Catherine. Instead of going, but what did you do really well today? So that takes some practice because default position is going to go that inner critic will come in louder than the Catherine voice, the gentle voice and take over. Absolutely.
1: And I think most of us do that you know it's it's more comfortable to talk to people about what we're not doing well and we feel like we're being humble and we're not speaking from a place of ego and 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 it's very habitual, you know, mm. the work that I do with people around how do we create new pathways in our brain that set me up to be successful, mm. you know, that's hard work. It's hard work. So, I totally relate to what you're saying because, you know, we all have our challenges with that. We all worry about the things that we could have done better or should have done more of or less of and there is a real skill in being able to say, what did I do really well today, and why? And when mm. someone gives us feedback, um, you know, the general you're using the language, the default position, you know, if I have a a great session on stage where I do a speaking event, and someone says to me later, um, "Oh, that was fantastic, Lisa," our natural response is to go, "Oh, thanks so much," and and move on and talk about them or change the subject to something else and and it's quite different when we value what we're good at and learning more about our strengths when we say to that person oh thank you for that feedback can you just give me an example of of one thing specifically that that worked for you because mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing instead of just being able to say to yourself someone said i did a fantastic job you can say I did a fantastic job because I create created rapport really quickly with the group. Mm. You know, we we yeah. I think that conversation about what we're good at and how we perform to our our best ability and tap into what we're really capable of, which is our our potential, right? Which mm. you know, for many people doesn't have an end date or a limit on it. We are our potential is is significant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that sort of ties in with uh, some bits of the book that I picked out. And I hope it's okay that I actually bring them up. But uh, I think that also ties in with the ego. So one of the things it's – I know that as you are saying like, oh, you've done a great speech, Lisa, and you say thank you. I even find it hard to say thank you. Yeah. I'll say thank you, but – (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll go in, oh, but I said this and I did yes. and I started and I you know straight into the the things that the opportunities cuz that's almost like my default position when I do yes. anything is that how could I've improved and what could yes. I have done differently or better.
1: Yeah. And it's really diminishing, isn't it? Mm. Like we, we actually give others permission to diminish our performance or what we've contributed or where we might've added value. Yeah, And yeah, so I, I think we all do that, Catherine. And, you know, it's, it is that default position, but uh, the I use the language around let's be really mindful about when we diminish ourselves in front of others and in our
0: own minds. Mm, absolutely. So, Lisa, there's there's one thing that you had in your book. It said skip, uh, skip the ego. Did you want to talk to us about ego? Because everyone has different, I guess, different ideas about what the ego is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a few things, you know, in being conscious of time because I wish we could talk all day, Catherine. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. There's there's a few things that I think are important when it comes to ego. One is there are times when you've got to get yourself out the way. You've got to remove the noise and remove all the clutter and clean out your brain a bit and, you know, just create some space for other people to come in and speak the truth. And a lot of people self-sabotage their own version of success by letting ego get in the way and ego is lots and lots of different things the the other thing with ego is that there is a part of ego that is absolutely required and essential and what I mean by that is when you value yourself and what you are capable of the ego serves you beautifully you know, so we tend to think of ego as being only something that is negative and we don't appreciate it in people. But actually having a healthy ego is really important. But the the particular part that I'm writing about in the book is about the ability to just get yourself out the way sometimes, you know, and just get a clear view of what's in front of you and get your own self-talk, the negativity, get all of that stuff out the way and see what you're capable of.
0: So as that's, I like that because to me it's about integrating the ego and how does one have a healthy ego? I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think someone who has a healthy ego has an ability to understand where they're not doing well. They also know what they value. They know what their strengths are. Someone who has a healthy ego has an ability to take on feedback from others and they also know that you know they can be annoying sometimes you know people who have a healthy ego understand that there are times when they can take up space in a room but also times when that's irritating to others so I I would summarize that and pull it together by saying people who have healthy egos are self-aware
0: oh I like that a lot That resonates Mm. with me. So there's one more thing I would like to pick out of your book. Busy is not sexy. I don't have a time. This is a catch cry I hear all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really not. And one of the things that I have noticed about working with entrepreneurs and elite athletes and people in senior leadership positions around the world is that you will not hear them talking about being busy because being busy says... I don't actually have control over how I'm spending my time. You know, there is different language we can use that might be something like I've got a really full day today um, or there's lots in my schedule or lots of things to get through. But being busy says I haven't been able to prioritize the things that matter. And being busy says that I can't juggle in all of the things that I need to get done and I feel a bit out of control. And we have we have made busy, you know, something that's sexy. You walk into an elevator, how are you going? Oh, really busy. Oh, I haven't even had time for lunch this week, you know. And what, what that says to me is that I'm not taking care of me, you know, and therefore that means I'm probably not performing at my best. So I think we need to be really mindful, Catherine, about what language we use to describe how we're spending our days and our time?
0: Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, we're kind of rewarding the wrong behaviour, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're busy. busy. Are. Oh, great on you, Catherine. You're yes. so yeah, busy.
1: Yeah, we actually congratulate people. We do yes. It. We do. We say, oh, and we also validate it by saying me too. Yes. You know, oh, oh, I didn't get home until 8 o'clock last night or I was back on emails at 11 o'clock and, you know, there are times in life where that is valid and we have a lot to do and there's things that we just need to churn out, but that shouldn't be a long-term way that we talk about ourselves.
0: Mm, as you're saying, I'm sitting here going, I'm really busy all the time. Yes. <laughs> I'm so good at managing my time because I know how I get so much done in, in my time. So it, there's this sense. It's a pride, I guess, that I get so much done in my time, but I actually don't give myself time. Yes, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So it's kind of quirky, isn't it? The other thing I'd love to unpack is because talking about being busy is what do you think is one of the reasons that most individuals don't succeed in business? Mm, uh,
1: I think the people who don't succeed in business are – I mean, there's lots of things that can come into play to that. It can be, you know, economic or it wasn't a a good idea or – but I think we see a lot of self-sabotage and a lot of times where people aren't prepared to be courageous enough. You know, they they step out too early or they don't learn from the lessons and to be in business, particularly entrepreneurial, we have to be prepared to – look like we don't know the answers and like we've taken some risks and we might lose some stuff and for everybody who has succeeded and smashed something out of the park there's probably a whole lot of stories that sit behind that you know where they haven't done so well or mm. failed something even so i think there's there's a there is absolutely a link between being courageous and being successful in business
0: yeah, I like that. And I, I think that when you're ta- talking about self-sabotage, how does one know if they're self-sabotaging? <laughs> I actually was having this conversation
1: with someone this week. The, the thing about self-sabotage is that it's very personal. The things that we do to sabotage our own well-being or our success are quite personal to us and they're normally habits that we set up years and years ago and we might not even know that we're doing them. So, So, busyness can be one way that people do that. If I fill my days by being really busy, I don't actually have the space to do the thing or create the dream that I really want. So, I'll just be really busy. And it's almost like we create this excuse mentality around doing what our purpose is calling us to be or, you know, the big dream that we have. So, I think we sabotage by filling our time with things that, aren't necessarily going to service going forward. We a, a big part of self-sabotage is the beliefs that we have about ourselves. You know, if you yeah. did a bit of an audit in your brain, many of us have beliefs about I'll never have enough money to do that or I'm not beautiful enough to do that or I'm not smart enough to do that. So the beliefs that we have been having day after day, potentially for years on end, absolutely can sabotage where we get to.
0: Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. So, Lisa, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Truth. Of course, truth. I love that. I I see you being very authentic and genuine. And I've only known you for a short time, but that's my first impression of you.
1: Yeah. I think when there is something very powerful about being able to speak our truth, and tell our story and also when we tell the truth to others and to ourselves life is pretty magical Mm, it sure is
0: so lisa the other thing that we ask our woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners so what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today
1: Yeah. Okay. I love this question. (laughs) So there's, there's lots I'd love to share, but I think if I was distilling it into three, I'd say work out how you can be the most resilient version of yourself and the happiness will take care of itself. The second one would be, and we touched on this earlier is please make yourself your most important project you, you, you are someone who deserves that and creating out and carving the time and space to think of your life as a project will create change for you. Mm-hmm. And the third one is no one is coming. You know, no one is coming to sort things out for you. The reality is you have to do the work on yourself, you have to create the plan, and it's actually no one else's responsibility to tap you on the shoulder and say, I've got the perfect solution or the perfect job for you. You know, no one else is coming to sort out the, the story of you, you know, that, that's your job.
0: Mm. oh gosh I love I absolutely love that you are the most important P- project I think I'm going to put that a uh, big headline and have that sticky on my computer and I also like when you said no one is coming I was like <gasps> That was the first thing that I I found, which is like... Yeah, it sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But but I think it's true. It's true. Yeah, we've got to take care of ourselves. Yes, so true. So, Lisa, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about your book before we wrap up, just so our listeners can run out and grab it because it's a pretty awesome book?
1: Oh, thank you, Catherine. I, I appreciate the opportunity to tell people about it. So, the book is called Read Me First. And it's the book that I wish I had been able to pick pick up off the shelves, you know, nine years ago. It is basically um, everything that I have learned about myself, but also from working as a success coach around the world and having a global consulting business. What I've done is created a book that helps you work out the story of you. I've also created 20 thought provokers to help you really do the work on yourself about what your next chapter might be. And it's full of, it's got lots of questions and ways to to build a plan for that. I've also created 15 strategies for a successful life. So... Um, I I know that from people who have read the book already, there's some things in there that you may have thought about before, but allow you to get some real clarity on what success means for you and what strategies you need to put in place. And I've also written about 10 life must-haves. So what are the things that I think we all need to be really emotionally well And then you'll find throughout the book a whole lot of, you know, frameworks and questions and ideas to help you pull all of that thinking together to make sure that you've got a plan around what your next chapter is going to look like.
0: Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And so, Lisa, for our listeners, where is the best place to find you?
1: Uh, so I'm on Instagram as who are my projects, which is our global consulting business would love people to follow me. Who are my projects is also on Facebook? Uh, my name is Lisa Stevenson. If anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn uh, and YouTube, uh, I put new content up on there about all of these types of topics um, each week. And of course, the book is available um, lots and lots of ways, actually. It's in most bookstores now. It's available online through Booktopia and Amazon. And um, yeah, I'd love people to head into their local bookstore if, if they're ready to do
0: a bit of work on themselves. Absolutely love everything that you do, Lisa. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. That was really fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. As it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.